0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. First Thessalonians, chapter number two, uh, Bible says in verse number 13, let's get this thought in our head first. Uh, it says in verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe our final authority for all matters of faith and practice is the word of God. We believe that God preserved his word in English for us to hold in our hand in the authorized version or the King James Bible, and we don't think there's a second uh, second uh, inspiration, or a double inspiration, or an advanced revelation. We just believe that God promised to preserve it, and we've got it, and uh, we don't think anybody isn't saved if they don't believe that, or think this along the same lines as that, but that's, that's what we believe. That's where we stand as a church, and so our final authority isn't a constitution. Our final authority isn't a uh, a church covenant. Our final authority isn't a statement of faith. Those things can serve a place, I guess. But this is our final authority. We need to have everything that's in here, and we need to receive it not as the words of men, <laughs> because it's not of human origin. It's not human reasoning. It's not human persuasion that should cause us to do the things that we do or not do the things that we don't do. And we got to really get that because it says, effectually worketh also in you. The word of God is what gets us to abandon sin. The word of God is what motivates us to want to live a holy life and devote ourselves to the work and cause of Christ. The gospel had such an effectual working in each and every one of us that it should prepare us to meet life's trials and life's temptations and the persecutions that, uh, that come maybe not as much to us, but to many, many Christians. So the first point tonight is that church leadership rests upon the authority, the final authority of the word of God. We don't need another convention. We need more Bible teaching, and we need, need more of the Word of God. Okay, so that's by way of introduction. Let's look at the fifth chapter of First Thessalonians chapter number five. Watch what it says in verse number 11. Bible says, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also ye do. Now that's important because togetherness is what has been lost in our American culture. And it didn't just start with mask mandates and COVID. People have been sheltering themselves, people have been sheltering in place long before COVID 19. God wants us together to gather together. To edify and comfort one another. Now look at verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among you. And you'll notice I emphasize the word them and their. Why? Why? Because there is a plurality that's in mind here, the them and the there. Now you have to start somewhere, right? You, uh, a preacher, a, a man comes into a, a town and starts evangelizing that town. we We started that almost five years ago and and then you start evangelizing and, and people start to gather together and you don't have the them yet. <laughs> but there comes a point where when the work starts to grow, you're going to need the them. Now, we talked about this last week in the book of Acts. They had thousands of people gathering before uh, you know, leaders were uh, appointed. And we made two points on that. One is, the, the one point is that there's no rush we don't rush just to say that we have a deacon or an elder i think everybody's in agreement with that just to say hey we've got the we've got the guy but also at the same time there's no command in scripture to wait till you have 5000 either so we need to draw all that balance and we're going to get some more of that i hope lord willing tonight but there's a plurality and it does say That they are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And that's not an easy task. To uphold. Notice that it says that after it says which labor among you. It's really hard to. um, Ask someone to do something or be a leader. If you're not among. Among. Those. That God has put you to help lead. <laughs> now that really does work in all facets of life from fatherhood down to. Business down to. I mean that principle. Really does apply in all facets of our life. It's hard. It's hard. When dad isn't around for kids to follow what dad says because he just shows up to tell them to do stuff. And. I've been as guilty as that as any dad has been. There's been times where, you know, you're just too busy and you just, you know, you let things slide. And, uh, you know, same with business, you know, companies, you know, all of a sudden the, the manager just gets disconnected and he's wondering why the people aren't listening to him. Well, you're just barking commands at him, man. That's why you're not really among them taking some care or showing care rather. But there is a plurality of leadership and God is for the plurality. Under the law, Moses was called out by God, and he was to lead those people. He was to lead that nation. But he had judges, he had priests, he had kings, he had prophets, all within that nation. And Moses is subject to those kings and those judges and those prophets. Why? Because Moses isn't above the law. Nobody was above the law. But God did say, hey, Moses, tag your it. He was responsible and he was to lead that nation. So there is structure. If you look back in the old Testament, there is order. There is levels of authority, but nobody was above the law. The same idea in the old Testament who had the absolute power and authority, God and God's law. The church age, yes, there's, when we talked about this last week, there's one pastor at a church, sometimes there's an assistant pastor or something like this, but there's there's typically, or at least biblically, I see that in a, in a local church, there's one pastor, and then there's a, there, there's a plurality of other leaders, and so God's always for that plurality. So that pastor, he may have bishops, deacons, elders, and guess what we all are? We're all a holy nation. All of us are part of that holy nation and, and the pastor is taking advice and being guided by bishops, deacons, elders and uh, but if something were to go down, who ultimately does it come? where does the responsibility fall? Well, me. Why did the pastor why didn't the pastor? Well, the pastor didn't know about it. Not good enough. He's got to know about it. But who has the ultimate authority? The word of God and God. The preacher is not above the word of God. Neither are the deacons or the elders. Nobody is above the Bible. That's why I said earlier this morning, or this this message, that this is our final authority. But in each local church, yes, there is one man where the buck stops here. And that is a tough, sp- it's a high calling. It's a tough spot to be in sometimes. But anybody want to sign up for the ministry? It's <laughs> not easy. It isn't easy. Not complaining, not bragging, just saying. That's the way that those things go. There are a lot of independent Baptist churches that are dying during this culture. And not all of them are dying because they've been overrun with you know the journey or the, you know the 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 you know, petting zoo Baptist and all all these, all these, you know, modern outfits that have to do with just bringing in people by carnal means. Not all of them are dying because of that. A lot of them are dying because of lack of leadership. They're hanging on to something that they've always hung on for. And they're just not willing to let anything go because they're just, they're just willing to die on that hill. And if you want to, if you want the Lord to really grow something you got to be willing to kind of step back, delegate some things and you don't want to hold on to something and then in the process be violating the word of God. Now we're we're a small church. I really believe honestly biblically the way to do the work of the ministry, the way the, the way that God would build his church is through going out and evangelizing. I know you've heard me say this a million times, but there isn't any other way. You've got to get out there. And God will either A, send believers who are already saved that are looking for something more than what is out there, or folks will start getting saved and coming in. But the moment you stop the outreach is the day the, the, that that work starts to die. You can't stop the outreach. You cannot. It has to go on. Now, how does it go on? Well, the preacher's got to train somebody. And then the ones that he's trained, they got to train others. That, that's, how, that's how it goes on how it goes on. Now, if you have 50 people, typically nobody's neglected, but you get 150 people. Now that's a different story for, for, for a one man show, isn't it? (laughs) That's when you start running the risk of neglect. The more people come, the more risk of neglect is there. You have a captain of of a ship. He's responsible for that ship. The navigation, the operation of that, the operation of the radar, the operation of the electrical, the operation of the kitchen staff, the operation of the cleaning staff, the operation of those who are leading in battle. Except the captain of the ship doesn't do any of those jobs. What has he done? He has delegated those out to others, and then those others now serve and train their teams So that that ship can now sail on. He bears the responsibility. That ship goes down. Who's on the news? The captain. Captain of that ship. And a church, that may not be the best analogy, but the church, in many ways, that analogy fits. The pastor has to be willing to delegate where you could have your ministry to serve out of a local New Testament church. And that's what we see through the book of Acts. Yes, there's a universal church, but all of the ministries were coming out of a local church. Get Hebrews chapter number 13. So this again, uh, Bible says in verse number seven, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number seven. Remember them which have the rule over you. Look at the them. (laughs) What is that? That's the plural again. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you. This is so key. What? The word of God. God, don't give me your opinion, don't give me what you think, don't tell me what you heard was the latest and greatest and best idea. We want to know what the word of God says. Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today forever. Who do you follow? (laughs) Someone that's following Christ, someone that's given you the word of God. Those are the them that you. That we follow. All right, look at verse number 17. We see it again. Obey them. That's plural. That's the leaders of the church that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they, see it again? There's plural there. God is always for the plurality of leadership in a local church. For they watch for your souls as they, there it is again. That must give accounts that they, there's the plural again, may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. You know what God said there? You can do it. And if you have a grieving spirit over it, it ain't going to benefit anybody. Woo! That's some preaching to the preacher right there. Kind of piggyback some of the thoughts that Brother Eric had this, uh, uh, this morning. Joy. Do it with joy, not with grief. Now, that's a tall task because you talk to anybody that's in the ministry, there's always a problem going on. There's always an issue going on. If it's not with tech, it's with something else in the outreach or, or you know, someone has this question or there's something going on here and you just can't get away from it. You've got to be able to do it with joy, or really God's saying, look, don't do it. Joy. Look at verse number 20 of Hebrews 13. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. And guess what? That ain't me. <laughs> that ain't anybody that's teaching Sunday school. That's no man that stands in the pulpit. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Sounds like some of the prayers that we say before we start the teaching and the preaching, huh? Who do we want to have get the glory? The shepherd. (laughs) Yeah. All right. First Peter five. First Peter chapter five. We'll see another one. Verse number one. The Bible says first Peter five one, the elders. plural which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Elders, plural, Are these principles true for the pastor as well? Of course they are. But this verse is including more than just the pastor. It's including the elders, plural. That office of an elder. We talked about pastor, shepherd, that gift. And you've got one pastor of the church. You've got a plurality of elders, possibly at a church. But keep in mind the pastor is a sheep too. We all need preaching. We all need an example. We all need to feed on the word of God. We all need help. We all need help. So what do we see in uh, in 1 Peter 5? We see the feeding is good. The oversight is good. The example is good uh, through servant leadership, of course. But what's bad? The lording. That lordship, being lords. See that verse three? Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. I'm telling you, that's idolatry. That's idolatry. The lording is what leaders are warned against. All right, let's go to Acts 5. Acts chapter number 5. Verse number 14. Watch what's happening. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. Well, praise the Lord. That's great. Watch what happens now. Let's go down to 17. Verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, who were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now, isn't that something? People are being added. Believers are coming, uh, You know, people coming to Christ, believing on Christ. The next thing you know, these Sadducees rise up, and now Christians are being imprisoned. Bad news. Let's keep reading verse number 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. They just got thrown in prison. (laughs) Now the angel of the Lord is telling them, hey, look, you just go out and do the same thing. That's pretty good. And you know what they did? They went out and did the same thing. Now watch what happened to them. Go down to verse number 41. And they departed from the presence of the council, the Sadducee council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Look at verse 41. What was the shame that they suffered? And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Believers are coming to Christ, they end up getting in prison, angel of the lord comes, opens the door, you guys go out and do the same thing. They do they go out and do the same thing, they get beaten. And after they're beaten, what do they do? They count it worthy to suffer shame for his name. How are we doing? How are we doing? A lot of people who go to the foreign field will live that verse. You and I... In America, at least now, aren't going to have to live that verse. And so guess what they did after they were beaten? (laughs) Verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. The imprisonment comes, you preach Christ crucified. The beatings come, you preach Christ crucified. And you count yourself worthy to suffer the shame. Well, guess what happens at the start of chapter number six? And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. You have some older sisters that are basically complaining because they're being neglected. It's not wrong that they were complaining. They were being neglected. What are you supposed to do when you're being neglected? (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Right? You issue your concern. But they were just in prison. They came out of prison. They were just beaten. They came out of getting beaten. Now, before you know it, people at church are complaining. It doesn't seem to go away, does it? In that life, in that life, boy, oh, boy, that joy of the Lord. I think Eric said this morning, the opposite of that is just, you know, people are just frustrated all the time. They don't have any joy. So you know what they did? Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God, and serve tables. You have a legitimate complaint because some ladies, are, the widows, are being neglected, right? It well, if the preacher goes and tends to it, now you're going to have another complaint because now everybody else is going to complain. Well, the word, what happened to the ministry of the word? That's being neglected. So you get into this thing where if you solve one problem, you just created another one. Right? So what are they to do? Wherefore, brethren, verse 3, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may... Call a business meeting and vote. No, they didn't call a business meeting and they didn't have a vote. What did they do? They appointed whom we may appoint over this business. Now, this is a key verse for a few reasons. Number one, they didn't want to just hire somebody, they didn't want just anybody. Well, they're just, they're just widows. Just call the local, you know, maid service. Just call the, they didn't want just anybody. They wanted honest people in place everywhere and in everything. Because of this neglect in a local church. And honestly, that verse right there, that's the difference between American evangelicalism and the church in the book of Acts. That's the difference. They wanted honest men of good report, or they weren't moving forward. Now it's just grab me anybody. (laughs) And that's not the way. That's not what they did in the book of Acts. Brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. That's what you want. That's what you want. The order of business had to be taken care of, right? But nobody said, Oh, let's send out a let's send out a survey and see what the survey brings back. No. They wanted men full of the Holy Ghost. They had wisdom. And they made sure that whoever was appointed was spiritually minded and honest. They have a heart and a desire for people. If you want a profitable church, hire the best businessman in town. If you want a spiritually profitable church, That is the pillar and ground of truth where the Holy ghost is moving. (laughs) And well, then you got to do what they did. The book of acts (laughs) look for some men full of the Holy ghost of honest report, full of wisdom and appoint those men and let them get to work. You can't be the one man show because if you solve one problem of neglect, you will create for yourself another problem. Of neglect. And that's the whole idea about. Getting those waiting tables and widows and all that. There is a plurality of leaders and a local church needs that. Let's go to 2nd Timothy. 2nd Timothy. First chapter. Second Timothy chapter number one. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, verse 2 to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Uh, he says, verse 3: I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. And he says, verse five: When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwell first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. And it says, verse six, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, there's a few different takes on that, but it seems like something happened there. I don't know all that happened there, but I know hands were laid and something happened (laughs) But where I'm going is, watch what it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. But there was a gift that needed to be stirred up. Timothy had the gift. Paul had the gift. Pastoring, teaching, shepherding, under-shepherding, it's all a gift by God. And it does need to be stirred up. And look what it says in the 11th verse. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Now, Paul was appointed by God. But there is nothing unbiblical about appointing people. It's biblical. It's biblical. When the widows needed help, They appointed men. That's biblical, folks. Mm -hmm. If there's a neglect in our church, I need to look out, or any men that have been here long enough to have been proven need to look out and say, okay, who are we going to appoint? So that the neglect is handled. There's nothing wrong with appointing. Go to 1 Timothy 4. Look at verse number. Uh, look at verse number six. Uh, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to be a good minister, you want to be a good pastor, you want to be a good under shepherd, you need to be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. That's what you need is a strong pastor of a a local New Testament church. He's got to be nourished up in the words of faith. He's got to have doctrine. Watch what it says in verse seven, but refuse profane and old wives fables, old St. Nick, uh, Cupid. Whoever the Babylonian God they're going to worship at the end of this month for the fall solstice, the Easter bunny. I mean, are they fables? <laughs> I just can't help myself. We're a few weeks away. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. That's what a good minister does. And you can get some profit from uh, physical exercise. We see verse 8, profit little. But godliness is profitable in all things, having promised the life that now is of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Now, what's a good minister to do? Verse 11, these things command and teach. There's commanding, there's teaching. Hey, quit doing that. Do this. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. You know what my job is to be? Any any pastor, any preacher, any leader of the church, be thou an example of the believers. How? In word, what you say. In conversation. In charity. That means you actually love the people you're with. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. In spirit, in your spirit, do you? In faith, in purity. Well, how long do I have to do that? Verse 13, till I come. <laughs> Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So, you know what I got to do? Teach the Bible. Teach doctrine so people know what the Bible says. And look at verse 14. Neglect not the gift. That is in thee. Which was given thee by prophecy. With laying on the hands of the presbyter. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. That thy profiting may appear. To all. And that's a tough verse 15. Give yourself wholly. Take heed unto thyself. And unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this. Thou shalt both save thyself. And them that hear thee. That's if you want to be a good minister. Acts twenty. It's pretty. E- I mean, it's pretty easy to see and understand. It's not rocket science. It's just we're just trying to take it straight out of the Word of God. Acts twenty, verse number seventeen. We'll see this theme again. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders. Of the church. There's the plurality again. Elders of the church are called. Look at verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. And to all the flock. Over the which the Holy Ghost. Hath made you overseers. It wasn't a human vote. If the Holy Ghost is in it. It should be evidenced. To mature believers, you can't force the will of God, you can't force the Holy Ghost through a vote, through a democratic vote. Remember, we went through the kingdom stuff, we did the giant lessons, and we said those 10 spies are going to go in, and Joshua and Caleb they're ready to obey God, except the other ones weren't. Democracy won, democracy overruled God's rule. You know how much that happens in local churches today. <laughs> Next thing you know, let's call a business meeting. And the next thing you know, something that ain't in the word of God just gets voted on. Just gets voted into a congregation. Can't do that. You can't do that. The Holy Ghost has to be in it. Hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And from the start, we have desired to be a place where Christians, if they want to be involved, we want to give everybody every opportunity to be involved. If you want to serve, we want to find a way to get you involved serving. And if that means cleaning the church house, great. If that means organizing the tracks, great. If that means going out and handing them out, Great. That means greeting. Great. That means singing. Great. That means playing the piano. Great. That means teaching Sunday school. Great. And just fill in the line, fill in the blank of other things that didn't come to my mind immediately that came to yours. We do. We want to be a place where people can come. And if they want to serve, they have a place to serve. And of course, as the Lord grows our church you know what is going to happen because it happens in every church someone or something or someone's will get neglected and we have to look and find some honest men to help stop that neglect and fix it just like they did in the book of acts we've got to look for honest men last verse and i'm done isaiah 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. You can't put the word of God in subjection to democracy. Because if we are all not in accord with the word of God, then the word of God is not the final authority. Isaiah 40, verse number 6. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of God shall stand forever. I can be replaced. The Sunday school teachers can be replaced. The piano players can be replaced. Deacons and elders can be replaced. The word of God cannot be replaced. And before I leave this earth and go home to be with the Lord, I want to know that this is a place that people can come after I'm long gone, after I've been replaced, where this final authority has not been replaced. This is how we build a church with God's Word. It won't fade away. God's Word as our authority. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.